You're listening to the Gov Future podcast, highlighting discussions and insights around innovative technology impacting the public sector. Hear from experts working with and inside the government on ways that technology is shaping the future of the public sector. On this episode, we talk to Gundeep Aluwalia, Chief Information Officer at the U.S. Department of Labor. He shares insights from the recent May 2023 Federal Tech Day showcase of over 50 government technology demos. Gundeep also provides his perspective on some of the most significant technology innovations and trends within the U.S. federal government and unique challenges and opportunities when it comes to fostering innovation within the federal government. Stay tuned. And welcome to the Gov Future Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ron Schmelzer. And thank you again for joining us on the Gov Future Podcast. As you know, we've been having a lot of interviews with uh, folks who are government innovators and thought leaders across federal, state, local, international, folks who are focusing on all these different areas of innovative technology, from AI to automation, analytics, big data, cloud, IT modernization, cyber. I mean, have I missed anything on it? <laughs> Honestly, probably not. And I think that's the whole point because innovation is happening so much throughout the government in so many different ways. And that's the purpose of the Gov Future podcast, but also just in general, what we're building here in our community of government innovators. And if this is the first time listening to Gov Future podcast, you're in the right place. So make sure you stay subscribed and really listen to us for hearing how government agencies and public sector folks are adopting transformative technology. And here's some great conversations on key topics that help our listeners and our Gov Future members hear about the latest innovative and best practices and stay ahead of innovation in the public sector. Exactly. And we're always so excited whenever we get great thought leaders on our podcast. Uh, in case you're not familiar, GovFuture community is the fastest growing community of government innovators. You can learn more at GovFuture.com. We always link to that in the show notes as well. But it really is an ecosystem of you know, everybody that's involved in making the public sector as awesome and amazing as it is. And so we're always excited when we have, you know, true thought leaders on this podcast. Today, we're excited to have with us Gandeep Aluwalia, who is the Chief Information Officer at the U.S. Department of Labor. So welcome, Gandeep, and we're so excited to have you here today. Well, thank you for having me. I am very excited to talk to you all folks and your, your audience as well. Thank you for having me. We'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background and your current role as CIO at Department of Labor. You mean you want me to put your audience to sleep? Uh, <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, uh, so my name is Gundeep. I have been at the Department of Labor for about seven years now. Uh, I think uh, Dave Shive at GSA and I have this running joke that either we are not marketable or we are doing such a bang up job that. Uh, we have been so long uh, in the same uh, CIO spot. I think it takes a, a lot of planning, uh, organizational change, uh, cultural change, in addition to bringing technological digital assets to bear to change how a department functions, how we deliver mission, how we are able to affect the American people, employers, et cetera, right? So I think longevity, a plan and execution is a part of that mantra. So let me, um, I'm, a, I'm a generation zero immigrant, came from uh, India in the year uh, 2000, 
through the H-1B program. Uh, and I, I have a story to tell about that digital transformation because I don't know if folks know this or not, uh, but uh, temp visas, uh, your first stop is at the Department of Labor. You don't go to DHS or USCIS. You actually get a labor certificate from us uh, before uh, the employer has to get that uh, before they can even go and apply for uh, temp workers. The H-1B program is the highly skilled workers. Uh, they get uh, through which I came uh, originally. Uh, all those temp worker uh, labor certificates were printed on a currency-like paper till a few years ago. For decades, we were importing this paper and we were printing it out. And then all of these went were stapled to a paper application that went to USCIS to their next step in the process. I am pleased to say that with the help of our program office, with the help of TMF funding that we got for this particular digitization effort, we were able to uh, eliminate all paper. And now it shows up, uh, the labor certificate shows up like a boarding pass to the employer and goes, uh, you, you can go to the next step. And a copy of this has been sent to USCIS. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to staple things. You don't have to uh, go to snail mail. So not only does this shave off a, a part of the time that this process was relying on uh, snail mail, uh, especially when you are you're getting crab pickers in our H2A, H2B programs in Maryland or a, a, a agricultural worker to a farm, right? This is such a small window that these workers actually come to the United States and then go back to their uh, uh, countries of origin that a, a two-week, three-week period is a seismic change in, 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 in that journey. We are bringing that same process to PERM, the green card process. Now we just got a TMF funding for that. So hopefully, and we just deployed it. So we've, we've received the, started receiving these uh, applications there as well. I hope to talk to you guys again in, in six months, a year's time, and, and tell you that we have eliminated all paper in this particular uh, area. We save uh, uh, a couple of million dollars a year uh, uh, just on the printing and, and uh, uh, the import of these uh, uh, currency-like paper. Uh, but more importantly, it also has moved our staff to doing more value work, right? I mean, how, uh, I mean, you feel a certain way when you go home and tell your family, like, I cleared three printer jams today, right? <laughs> Versus, uh, you are now saying that I was a part of getting uh, 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 some uh, temp workers uh, to their farm or, or in a more timely fashion. So it's a much more meaningful work. So you move your workforce uh, accordingly as well. I want to talk a little bit about what the Department of Labor does. We are very, very diversified in terms of our mission areas. We always are heard um, when we publish the unemployment numbers or the CPI index uh, indicating what the inflation in the country is, et cetera. But we are the first stop for immigration uh, or, or temp workers into the country. We uh, are uh, the ones who manage transition systems for veterans returning back from active duty. A lot of people think that happens at VA, but it actually happens in Veteran Employments and Training Services, which is a part of the Department of Labor. We managed $23 billion grant portfolio. We're trying to retrain America as automation happens, as green jobs are going to pre uh, uh, push our, our working population to reskill themselves as uh, chat GPD is going to come in and, and other things, right? 
uh, self-driving technologies, we really need to retrain America. Where, where is that happening? We are actually a part of that equation and have a large grant, grant portfolio that our employment training services uh, handles as well. We are flying drones to inspect oil rigs in OSHA to, to, to keep them safe. Uh, we have uh, innovation and mine safety to, to keep our, we inspect every active mine twice a year. Um, we protect your 401ks, okay? Your health plans so that they are there when, when, you, when you need them. Uh, our Employment Benefit Security Administration collaborates with IRS and, and, and other um, areas. We are at the center of apprenticeships, right? So our Office of Apprenticeship uh, is, is creating apprenticeship opportunities in collaboration with uh, not only uh, all, um, uh, learning institutions, uh, but also employers across the, across the country. Every cent of unemployment insurance money that goes through a federal-state partnership, we set the policy that goes through the Department of Labor. We were front and center trying to help during the unemployment uh, 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 spike uh, during the pandemic uh, uh, and, and such. So we do a lot of different things and building a digital portfolio and a strategy so that affects all of these different moving parts. We do workman compensation claim for two, two, two plus million uh, work, uh, workers, uh, federal workers across the country. I mean, that's a check writing operation. It's got PII, it's got HIPAA protected information. So it creates a little bit of a strain to create a portfolio of digital assets that can be brought to bear to solve different problems in these different mission delivery areas, right? And I have been so fortunate to have partners on in all of these program areas and build uh, a digital infrastructure that has transformed a lot of what uh, Department of Labor uh, does, but we have a long way to go as well. So thank you for this opportunity again. Sorry for the long-winded uh, 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 introduction there, but I thought it is uh, important to set uh, uh, a little bit of perspective as to what labor does. That's very important. And I think you know, technology obviously impacts and that story that you're talking about with the visa and the paper and the automation. You know, this is part of it is a people and process thing and part of it's a technology thing. And I, and I really, we really love these stories because it shows how the proper use of technology makes the other things better, the people and the processes better. Nobody enjoys long processes that are complicated. Bureaucracy is not usually known to be a positive term. So this is where, you know, we're technologists just like you are innovative thinkers, but we know at the end of the day that it comes down to people and experiences. And that's what makes this technology great. And the broad scope of everything you were just talking about might have actually been, maybe you could tell us a little bit about that, one of the motivations to show off some of this great technology. So we were recently at a fantastic event for our listeners. We were at the Federal Tech Day, which is run and hosted by the Department of Labor, but also involves many other agencies across the federal government. And we love demos. We love technology. We we love show and tell. We're like, that's our, our personality. That's our, and, you know, and you we got to so, see so many, I don't know if they're like, I think 50 or some odd, you know, booths, exhibits that were there from not only individual agencies, but from various different groups, some 
groups you've never may never have ever heard of and be like, oh my goodness. And they're showing off automation, AI, robots, you know, all sorts of great stuff. So maybe, maybe for our listeners, it's hard to talk about this, you know, on a podcast without showing visuals. Maybe tell us a little bit about Federal Tech Day. What was the genesis of it, some of the goals for it, and of course, some of the, the highlights and outcomes. Sure. Thank you so much. I I I love the the enthusiasm and energy in, in this podcast. I I I uh, I get so excited about talk, talking about not only technology but how it it, it is brought to bear uh, towards the uh, mission delivery. So um, in 2018, I remember there was a a idea that hey, why don't we um, create some pull in the program areas, right? So it's always the conversation is the CIO office or the te- technology office has an idea or has a uh, a bot, RPA bot or, or a blockchain technology or, you know, a case management tool here. And they want to have a conversation with the program where the program always meets that conversation with a level of skepticism as to what is what are they going to shove my down my throat now and how much is it going to cost me and so rather than having that conversation we said let's start creating uh, a, a exhibition where we are actually not technologists but let the program office uh, showcase these mission delivery technologies and the digital assets that we have deployed to other program areas, right? Without any contractors in the room. I mean, the contractors are there. They're, they're a part of our uh, uh, ecosystem and, and we love them, right? But I, I, without the sales pressure sort of thing, right? And uh, we said, oh, we, we'll, we'll put a few tables together and see how that goes. So that was 2018. It, it uh, We outdid ourselves. In 2019, the CIO council and Suzette Kent at that time said, hey, the CIO council wants to pitch in and, and, and a, lot of, a lot of people came and then the pandemic happened, unfortunately. We had to take a bit of a pause. And then this year we came back and, and uh, um, Claire said, yeah, we, all the CIO council was behind it as well. We got more than 3000 attendees. And uh, by the way, the uh, virtual experience is still open. So you can go and register and, and experience all the 50 exhibits that you were talking about. Um, there were 14 different federal agencies there. So uh, they all came in from USDA to IRS to uh, Food and Drug Administration. Uh, of course, we uh, we came in uh, uh, as well, Custom, Customs and Border Patrol, uh, FAA. I mean, it was across the board that a lot of uh, uh, folks came in and wanted to showcase what they are doing. I remind people. We spend $86 billion worth of IT money. This is reported openly. It is on it-board.gov as the federal government. And all of this technology, the associated tools, the associated IP that is created is owned by the government. And our vendor partners would gladly apply it in, in different areas the only thing is sometimes we are hampered by silos and not knowing about that technology. So the idea behind this event uh, was to uh, create a opportunity where folks can showcase this, right? And, and make sure that other program areas know that, hey, one, I'm not alone. This And this problem has been solved and it has been paid for by the federal government let me just uh, reach out to my uh, friend at, at USDA, right? 
Let me just uh, reach out to, we're all using drone technologies. We are all using robots, RPA, scanning technologies. These are not, I mean, the NARA mandate on me is not different uh, than, than the one on USDA. It's on the entire federal government. And we are all trying to solve similar or same problems for delivery of, of missions. So that was the whole idea. And then I realized it came to me a little bit. I was actually briefing uh, one of our uh, appropriators on the Hill, and they said like, hey, you did that federal tech day a while ago where we got to see how the money is being spent that is appropriated to different agencies. And I said, oh my God, otherwise these folks, the authorizers and appropriators are just looking at numbers and they're going, I spent $86 billion. What did I get for it? They never get to experience what they got for it. So this became also an event where we started inviting the Hill and the press and our vendor partners, and the event became larger and larger. Uh, and this year was 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 a great success. Uh, and, and thanks to my team, by the way, who who took a did a lot of heavy lifting on, on this. But thanks to all the fellow CIOs, all the programs who came, right? Uh, because I didn't. To be honest with you, I love the CIOs, but I don't want the CIOs talking. I want the programs talking, right? Because otherwise that dynamics of like, hey, here is a techie who's trying to shove down something down my throat and will charge me for it, it inevitably. And it started creating a pull. Now the programs want to come and talk to me like, hey, can you get me a demo of that thing, that scanning thing that IRS was doing? How can I get a, a piece of that action? is the changed dynamics, right? Such a cultural shift in, in, the, in the paradigm when you do that kind of a conversation. So that was the genesis and that is where we are. And I hope um, we will continue this annual event uh, and, and it'll go grow bigger and, and other federal agencies will join us in future years. Absolutely. And for our listeners, we know, they know that we, we do these like little demos on a more regular basis at George Mason University on the third Thursday of every month. So we'll we'll talk about this later. But you know, anybody who wants to demo at any time for the government, you're invited. It's a same, same like yours, free. We're not charging. People. I love it. I love it. And, and you're right. There's something to be said about seeing something rather than just uh right reading about it or 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 seeing the money. <laughs> That's yeah, yeah. Exactly. And that's why we love demos so much, right? Because you can actually show it in action. And we really resonated when you said, you know, get those program managers, get the doers to actually demo. They're the ones who are jazzed up about it. They can talk most elegantly about it, really know the nuances. And it's super important to be sharing because you're right. The problem that you're solving is probably a problem that every other agency either is solving or should be solving. And you can look to others for guidance. We always say, you know, why reinvent the wheel, learn from others, really see what's out there, use that expertise. Um, you know, you may be working at different agencies, but you're all in the public sector, you're all in the federal government. So, you know, really feel like it's a team effort there. So we, everything you were saying, we were nodding our heads. I know the listeners can't see, but we were, it's resonating. So at Federal Tech Day, I know, you know, we had the opportunity to go. There was so many vendors. It was almost, almost hard, you know, impossible to get to all of them. It was so wonderful. But what did you see as some of the biggest technology innovations and trends that were highlighted at Federal Tech Day? Yeah, so so a, a, a bunch of things. So first of all, 
I think you still have the opportunity to go and experience uh, if you miss something. So, uh, and there is a, a blog that I put out there as well, where where you can uh, on dl.gov you can you can see what uh, uh, things that you may have missed or you wanted to wanted to get get a piece of that action, right? Um, so there are there are a, a lot of things that were uh, showcased, uh, and from a technology perspective, if I want to. Um, there is emerging technology, right, or newer technology that is being adopted. Uh, uh, things like robots and RPA automation and scanning and uh, a lot of that. Um, and then there are, there was some run-of-the-mill kind of uh, solutions, but very important in uh, uh, things like small things like digital signatures, right? How are we doing cybersecurity? Uh, they may, may not be prolific in terms of emerging tech uh, plays, but they are prolific in terms of ability to deliver and improving customer experience and things like that, right? I mean, login.gov and and our uh, uh, partnership with USPS on uh, non-digital pathways for people to go and do ID proofing were were on display as well. I I mean, we we have rolled this out in Arkansas. Uh, This month, it'll be rolled out in Oregon and uh, Oklahoma. So, if you are an unemployed uh, person who's looking for their unemployment insurance uh, benefits and don't own a phone or internet, right? Um, and you are under duress, you're, you've lost your job, you have a life event, right? You can go to the local post office and just show them your ID and that'll, uh, and we have developed a sort of an API that will take that, that information and relay it to the case management system in Arkansas and Arkansas will process your unemployment claim and you will get your checks faster, right? That's the power. It's not only the digital pathways that we were showing in the showcasing here, but also the non-digital pathways, which have a digital component to them, but have a customer experience uh, aspect to it that, that we were showing as well. Uh, workplace safety technology, I think uh, the Forest Service did a very good, Interior did. NASA was there. Oh my God, the robotic dog and the selfie with the robotic dog. It was the, it was something that my daughter showed up for that, by the way, and and was taking uh, selfies with that. MSHA, of course, showed up in in force. We we uh, pride ourselves when there's a mine emergency. It's a it's a solemn uh, moment, but we deploy these assets to remote parts. Mostly, these mines are not in urban areas. They are in in rural areas with lack, where there is uh, uh, no communications, uh, and that MSHA truck can can set up in any remote area, get up and running, uh, and we're showcasing how they would do a, a mine safety uh, uh, rescue uh, in in a, any part of the of the country. We sometimes deployed it internationally too, right? Uh, when when those kind of disasters happen uh, as well. I love the IRS augmented reality mobile app, right? The scanning IRS forms. Um, auto-generated taxpayer guidance. Oh my God, the tax uh, paying the tax is not a good experience that anybody remembers or wants to remember. But that's the place where if you can make it a little bit easier, uh, that is. Uh, uh, I, I love the that booth uh, as well. Then customer experience plays, right? And we had so many customer experience plays uh, uh, from digital signatures uh, to, uh, uh, like I said, non-digital pathways. Uh, were at showcase as well. I was actually very, very proud of uh, uh, of, of what what was showcased, and 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 a lot that I can't cover even in this half hour, to be honest with you. So go 
and and uh, look at Federal Tech Day 2023. If you Google it, you'll find the link. You can still go and register and look at all these 50 exhibits. There are a ton of information over there, uh, contacts, videos, demos, and all of them. Yeah, and we're definitely going to put those links in our show notes. So for our listeners, we'll link both to the blog article that uh, Gandeep was talking about, as well as to the uh, virtual fair listing. So you can register and check it out. And uh, hopefully you'll, you'll see those innovations for yourself. A lot of really cool stuff in there. So I want to ask a little question a little about some of the, the challenges. So, so we see all the great things that people are demoing, all the cool stuff. What are For some of our listeners, what do you think are some of the unique challenges and perhaps maybe some of the opportunities when it comes to fostering innovation within the federal government, especially when it's some of these new cutting edge things which have both uh, the opportunities like, you know, ChatGPT, we can't not talk about that, but also the challenges because ChatGPT, we can't not talk about that. So <laughs> not specifically, if you, you don't have to talk specifically about that, <laughs> but that's the kind of thing that's it's definitely getting people's gears turning. Yeah. So I will, I'll, I'll start with the boring part of the challenges in the federal government. Uh, one is obviously funding, right? I mean, it's always going to be the resources, a yeah, finite amount of resources, and most of them are stuck in operations and maintenance maintenance, right? So when I came to labor, we were uh, about 10% on building new and 90% of our portfolio was on operations and maintenance. So we knew we had a broken car that doesn't run, but all we were doing was oil changing and and, and complaining about that, 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 that the car just breaks down every few miles, right? Now we have moved that portfolio and you will say that we are almost 25% of our portfolio is going on building new. That's the only way you pay down debt and remain current. This once and done idea in uh, uh, IT modernization is just a, a pipe dream, right? I mean, if you do that, if you spend only like I bought a, a new car and now it's going to be good for the next 10 years approach, then you will fall behind definitely. Therefore, you need to be building at least quarter of your portfolio needs to be in, in building. And we've achieved that, but we need to continue on that uh, on that journey and make sure we maintain it. And the second is cultural, right? I feel like um, there is a, a, a huge challenge where we have, uh, we behave differently, right? So in our private lives, we are used to Uber and, and apps and, and things like that. But when we come to work as as federal employees, or we are dealing with the federal government, we quickly become okay with double data entry and something not being intuitive enough, or you having to switch browsers to be able to submit a claim and stuff like that, which is unheard of in the private sector. And we all would have would drop Amazon or drop Uber or drop these companies in a heartbeat if we if we uh, got that kind of an experience. So we really have to invest in, in the cultural aspect of things and customer improve the customer experience, right? I mean, just having login.gov to uh, report OSHA in, in, injuries for OSHA or to get a temp worker uh, into the country or uh, reporting a veteran hiring to vets. Um, these are all things that you do to do business with the Department of Labor. Now, why do you need different uh, user profiles? Right, I mean something as simple as that can improve your uh, outcome. So I think there is a cultural uh, barrier to doing things. The third is the pace of technology, and that's where I will talk about ChatGPT. I think things that uh, are really good that seem like science fiction very quickly become 
uh, reality, right? It is it is needed at, at very very quickly, and we need to keep pace at, with it. But along with technology and the pace with, at which it is coming, come ethical concerns, come privacy concerns, come all of these different things that we really need to adapt in order to adopt this new technology and bring it to bear on mission delivery. So I think we need to find ways to be flexible, nimble, but also maintaining rigidity to protect our our consumers, our customers, because the government uh, has that responsibility uh, as well. So it is our responsibility to adopt these technologies, but also uh, be cautious with the uh, ethical privacy and other governance concerns that come along with them, right? So so it's a very tightrope walk kind of a situation that we all need to find a a middle ground on. So. That's a little bit about challenges. Yeah, you know, we always like to talk about challenges because you can learn just as much, if not more, maybe from how people, you know, the challenges that they've had, maybe some of the failures, how they're working around that. And I like that, you know, you bring up the point, right? You're not in a vacuum. And so you do need to interact with the outside world and you take some of those uh, examples and experiences that you've had and you say, I know it's possible. How can we bring this to government? How can we bring this to the public sector and move forward and help, uh, you know, the people that we work with and the people that we're working for? So I I love that you're thinking about that, really approaching it from that angle. Um, yeah. But you're right. There's also even, a lot of... Even generative uh, uh, AI, right? I mean, look yeah. at this. Like, there is a camp that is saying like, hey, this thing will become smarter than us. Then how do we control... At no point in the planet's history has any any less uh, uh, smart species controlled a more smart species, right? That's one school of thought out there, right? Then the other, the the look at the number of applications that generative AI from actually coding to delivering health outcomes to, um, I mean, it's the the. The uh, potential is amazing and uh, 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 boundless as well. So you have to adopt it at the end of the day, but then you also have to, to consider that you're creating something smarter than you. So how do you how do you control that? Yeah, and this segues really great into our final question of the podcast. We like to ask this because you know everybody that we ask brings in their own unique experiences from their own different agencies that they work with. So what do you see or hope to see as the future of technology and innovation in the government? Yeah, so I, I, I hope uh, that we do not have uh, um, a, a ecosystem that is uh, where digital assets uh, are being waived like I have a tool, I need a. I'm looking for a problem, right? And we shouldn't be hammers looking for nails. It should be the other way around, where the business are coming to us with a problem, and then rather than creating a ecosystem where I dispatch a person uh, who's an RPA expert, so they are obviously looking for a, a deployment of a bot, right? Uh, I think we need to take holistic view of what the problem is and how delivery uh, of mission has to happen. That is most important in my mind. And, and then you need to increase the velocity of absorbing these digital tools that are being brought to bear, right? So if, if you're doing it for the right reason, 
right? Sometimes people come to me and like, I want to save money. Let's go to the cloud. I said, sorry, you're coming to me for the wrong reason to begin with. Please tell me what your business problem is that the cloud will solve, right? You will be inherently more cyber secure, right? You will be inherently faster to deliver more function features, better experience to your customers. And yes, per capita, you will save some money, right? That's the kind of conversation that I believe is central in order to deploy digital assets in a meaningful manner and drive transformation. Otherwise, transformation will happen in areas where the program has a techie type person, right? Or or is is at the bleeding edge, loves to do uh, stuff. They will partner with you. And the areas which don't are, are slightly less forward leaning will fall behind. So in order to bring transformation across the board, improve customer experience, we need to have the holistic conversations and then not force fit a tool uh, to a business problem, but bring the combination of tools that may solve a business problem uh, effectively. And that's the, the kind of transformation I hope we drive. Well, that's perfect. And that's honestly the role of technology as a tool. It's there to help us. It's not, we're not there to serve technology. We're not there to you know, burn our very valuable resources and time and money were there, you know, it's a tool. So, and I think that's what makes great technologists and great CIOs uh, really transformative. That's really what someone told me, you know, digital transformation is all about using digital technology to transform. And uh, what are we trying to transform into? Well, being more responsive, more nimble, customer service, citizen experience, all those things that we love to hear. So that's why we love these interviews. We love to hear them. And we're going to make sure that people see these demos because we love show and tell. So thank you so much. You've been a fantastic guest in the podcast. And really, thank you for sharing all your insights with our listeners. No, thank you for the opportunity. And we will take you up on that Thursday demo. We will show up. And uh, uh, I encourage your, your users to uh, experience the tech day. It is still open for a few days, uh, for a few weeks. And then uh, read our blog and happy to partner with anybody who wants to move uh, delivery of mission through application of digital transformation. Happy to, to collaborate with them. Thank you for the opportunity once again. Yeah, thank you. And we'll definitely make sure to link to the article and registration in the show notes. So our listeners just have to click on the links and then they can get the opportunity to register and see the online experience. So we've got great resources if you're looking to get more insights and details on a range of technology that we discussed in this podcast and other topics. Check out our resources, books, courses, checklists, explainer videos, webinars, and more at govfuture.com slash resources tailored just for our GovFuture listeners. We'll make sure to link to that in the show notes as well. Also become a GovFuture member to take advantage of all that the community has to offer, including access to a diverse network of government innovators, opportunities to collaborate with government agencies, exclusive access to events and resources, and a platform to have a voice in shaping the future of government innovation. Go to govfuture.com slash join. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please make sure to rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. To view this episode's show notes, find additional episodes, subscribe to this podcast, and join the fastest growing community of government innovators, go to govfuture.com slash podcast. This sound recording and its contents are copyright GovFuture, all rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod.
Thanks for listening to the Gov Future podcast and catch you at the next episode.